Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's BudPod92. 92 wine tea poo that's so this is my, my ideal podcast <laughs> a wine tea poo a wine tea poo what were you doing in 1992 phil learning to uh, write uh in 1992 i was two years old had chubby little digits uh probably coming to terms with having a sister having a sibling. i was doing the same yeah Interesting. Oh, wait, because but you you had to come to terms with having sisters straight out of the womb. Uh, yes, I, I I had to ta- I had to come to terms with having a sister on arrival, and then two years later again. As um as I say, you are a sister native. I am a sister. <laughs> what is it? Adapter. Immigrant adapter. Yeah. Yeah, immigrant. Yeah. 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 That's right. Because you're you you well yeah well you're 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 the oldest you're the head of the tribe of of sisters. <laughs> yeah 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 I am the um, the alpha, the alpha bro. <laughs> um. Yeah I'm I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, this is funny. You know, yesterday the um, the first um, woman in the world, well, first person in the world was vaccinated outside of a a trial here in yep, the UK. the old lady. Yeah. Um, the UK sort of trying to claw back some global reputation by, if not inventing the first vaccine to be used, saying it's all right first. Brit- yeah. Brit- Britain's achievement here has gone saying... Uh, it'll do. That's what everyone is proud of in the UK right now. Is that yeah, we're the first country to go, um, it, it, it's, it'll be fine. <laughs> we're the first country to um, say that the vaccine is safe that doesn't have uh, labor or concentration camps. <laughs> and that's something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's definitely something. We're the first person at the party to go, well, I'll do it then and, and sip a, a, a strange drink. That's right. At this point, the international Western community isn't even pretending to think about Russia and China when they think about the world. They're just freely saying, this is the first person to be vaccinated outside of trials, even though that's not true if you count Russia and China. But we're we're like, you know what? Fuck those guys. Yeah, it's the the West has collectively agreed that what they're doing is still trials. It's just that they've made it involve the army and a bunch of peasants. Yeah, and I'm happy to um, use the peasants. First peasant was a, a lady called Margaret Keenan, and then the second was a guy called uh, William Shakespeare. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> hearing hearing that news in America? And the second, the first man. <laughs> To be vaccinated is a man from England called William Shakespeare. 
I guess it <laughs> must be a common name over there. Yeah, I can't bear to imagine the the amused news reports. <laughs> yeah, they must, they must have signed off the stories. And that man's name? One William Shakespeare. Back to you in the studio. Yeah, and then it cuts back to a guy whose hair looks like it's made of plastic. He'll go, <laughs> well, uh, maybe we'll be uh, seeing a play about uh, vaccines in, uh, sometime in the near future. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on to financial news with Buck Durkinson, or some other insane name. The bad thing was, um, when the story was broke yesterday morning, so it happened, the first vaccinations happened yesterday morning, and I was in a hotel in Stratford-upon-Avon because I was uh, guesting on a cookery program. Mm. But I was staying over in a hotel, and every hotel in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's um, main ho- place of work, everything is Shakespeare-based. Every fucking hotel is called The Quill's Arms or whatever. Every yeah. fucking one. And, the, uh, clever, this one- the Clever Man. <laughs> The clever man in the the playwright haven, <laughs> and this hotel is an exception. Everything was Shakespeare themed, but also trying to be one of these modern, cutesy, artsy hotels that just means they have pictures of bird cages everywhere. <laughs> um, and and in the room there was a picture of an old picture of uh, William Shakespeare, but they painted on Kanye sunglasses onto him oh that's like a t-shirt yeah and the fire escape plan on the door was written on an old scroll and it literally said escapeth planeth on the no top. that can't that can't be that can't be legally it's that can't, it's, that can't be <laughs> it's fire safety safe. tat it exists fire, fire safety, safety tat. A, an intersection between fire safety and shakespeare tat <laughs> so this so keep in mind this is the environment I'm already in and I wake up in the morning I'm having breakfast brushing my teeth I turn on the TV news and between the Shakespeare picture and the escapeth planeth the news tells me the second person to be vaccinated in the UK is called William Shakespeare I thought I was losing my fucking mind <laughs> and the, the newsreader who said it was bald except for at the sides and had a goatee <laughs> And a big puffy collar. And he just, and then the rest of the news was just like um, being John Malkovich. They're just going, William Shakespeare, William, William Shakespeare, Shakespeare, William. <laughs> uh. It's funny when um, you read about uh, uh, people going to, uh, God, I can't remember what it's called. It's that gallery in Florence. Um, the Uffizi? Yeah, Uffizi. Uffizi, yeah. Uffizi. Uh, people go to the Uffizi or they go to Jerusalem and they, they go mad, or sometimes Paris as well, they go mad and they have like panic attacks and collapse mm. because it's too much and they're too excited and they're too overwhelmed by stimulation and, and they just can't cope with it. And well, it's a Paris syndrome. Which I, yes, it's, it's, it's I Paris syndrome. I thought that was to do with disappointment. No, that's the, well, that's the one that they talk about with Japanese tourists, yeah. Oh, so this is a different thing. This is like 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 a a, a rapture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a sort of yeah, right, right, right. A, a sh- cultural sugar rush. Yeah, cultural sugar rush in the Uffizi, and then in Jerusalem. I think there's a Jerusalem syndrome as well, where people start to claim they've heard God talk to them, or 
Yeah, um, a lot of pressure to be feeling something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And also, if you're going on holiday to Jerusalem to look at churches, you're probably already pretty into the whole God thing. If I lived in Jerusalem, I'd just be following tourists around all day, just whispering, you know what you did, child? <laughs> and then, like, ducking into an alley when they turn around. You will never be forgiven for what you did. Or just uh, more esoteric stuff, just... Have you ever had KFC? <laughs> That's finger looking good, and the Lord saith so. <laughs> it's, uh, but then it's funny that like you don't hear that about like your scenario where people are so overwhelmed by being in uh, a boutique hotel that's near where they think Shakespeare's cottage was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people foaming at the mouth on the floor, thinking this is probably where he thought about. Two gentlemen of Verona and just having to be taken to hospital. I, I, I've i sort of lost, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel that significance about a place anymore, about sharing a space with someone famous. I, it sort of means nothing to me now. I don't know why. Maybe the world feels smaller to me and it doesn't feel so extraordinary that you would occupy the same physical space. You don't, am, I, am I making sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I do know what you mean. The, the, the way it only matters to me is if it, the space is largely the same. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's a good point. Because then it's like, oh, this is what they were looking at. And then this is how it, uh, maybe this is how it affected their mindset when they chose to do X, Y, Z. Whereas if you're just in the middle of like the city of London, where it's all skyscrapers and stuff. And it's yeah. like somewhere around here, there was an old feasting hall, and you go, "Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that because I'm looking at an itsu." I mean, I guess maybe that's it. I think is London spoiled me. I think you're walking around London, you can at every step you can say, "Someone stood here and shaped the modern world." Yes, the, London does spoil you, especially if you just you go around a corner by accident because you're trying to find the you're, you're trying to find the nearest McDonald's using an app on your phone that you've downloaded. And you just bump into, like, an ancient Roman wall and then a Civil War cannon or something. Yeah, or, like, the first bank or whatever, you know, something. <laughs> <laughs> something just unreal, you know, something extraordinary that you just take for granted now. Yeah. A statue where you look at it and it's, a, it's the man who invented just measuring things. <laughs> you're like, what? what? And they go, yeah, Jonathan Measurements. That's actually where we get the word from. <laughs> And then yeah. you'll be you'll get distracted and you look up Jonathan measurements and then it tu it'll turn out he had this tragic life where no one believed him that things could be measured. <laughs> and he was like, "I'm telling you, I cut it in half and I said there were two of them." And they're like, "Shut up, Jonathan." <laughs> He's always going on about his feet. Uh, you know what does affect me is if just going out, you know, if I'm traveling around Europe and go to an old city or something, just like mm. stone steps that have been worn down a lot. That yes. gets me, because that that you know, it's such a clear indication of all the feet that have rubbed against it over the hundreds of years. I I feel you know I feel something about that specifically, but being in the same room as a pope, I'm like, well, well yeah, it's a Vatican. Pope's everywhere. <laughs> well, it also depends on how much you care about if a pope does something. But then, so many of these historical events are you know it, it could be that it never happened or it didn't happen here 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only the other day I had to try and explain to someone that that what they thought King Arthur was wasn't real, but that it wasn't entirely fictional in the sense that there was po- very possibly a king a bit like that, but not in the way they thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the answer to almost every history question on Earth. <laughs> was it like you- this? Uh, yes, but no. Do you think there is a particular year that you could pinpoint as the end of uncertain history? Do you know what I mean? Ooh. Uh, of the whole world? Um, I mean, to keep it simple, let's say Europe. The end of uncertain history in Europe? God, that's a good question. Aye, 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 aye. Uh, it would have to, it's definitely like, like the earliest you could put it is the early modern era, where people actually started using their goddamn brains. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's to do with the record keeping mainly, right? So, like, what yeah. just before the printing press, or bef- you know, something like that, before everything was I, written down. Yeah, I suppose you could argue, like, for symbolic reasons, Gutenberg. But then the uncertainty element remains with, like, oh, but why did why did he do that? Really, like, did he was he being cynical, or did he really not mean to kill that guy, or whatever? Yeah, I mean, sort of intention will always be uncertain, right? Yeah. But, but in terms of like record keeping of like dates and events and stuff, yeah, probably around the probably around the sort of fourteen fifteen hundreds, I'd say. Right. Okay. I mean, that's that's earlier than I would have thought. Just because they they like we we tend to be pretty good on like there was a guy he was called John and he was the sheriff and you go okay well that's that's good I suppose. There's no reason. There's, there's no less... reason you'd lie about that. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason you'd lie about that, and there's a lot less mystery about like um. In my field of study, you'd come across stuff where they go, uh, a guy 500 years later says there was a guy who was called John and he was the sheriff of somewhere where we don't ever see the name of that kingdom again. Yeah. And this guy, he was the sheriff of Rumplier. And you go, well, where the fuck was that? What? And it's just never mentioned again. And the monk's just like, you know, Rumplier, and just moves on to talk about Home of the Great Ass. Again. Yeah, and you're, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. And that's it. And then it, that, that's literally all you have until you, like... <laughs> In another thousand years, you dig up a coin with Rumplier written on it, and you go, aha! And it's like a huge thing. And everyone gets very excited. <laughs> aha! I told you it was real! You laughed at me when I spoke of the ass people of Rumplier. <laughs> but it is true, my El Dorado is real! <laughs> the, the El Dorado of ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really funny thing for someone to say about, like, Rio de Janeiro. What? That is actually real? No, that's the Eldorado Vaz. Eldorado Vaz. That's good, yeah. That's the kind of thing I can imagine um, a Matthew McConaughey character saying in a horrible film. (laughs) What? That's the the Eldorado Vaz. Yeah, exactly. We're going to Rio, bro. It's the El Dorado of ass. And you're like, oh, this is a horrible character. This is going to be like a horrible sort of adventure film. Yeah, this is and he, and this it, is before it, the McConaughey Renaissance. This one of his yeah, the pre- this is like fool's to, gold or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, to be fair, yeah, this is pre-McConaissance uh, McConaughey. Yes. Back when all of his roles seemed to involve having a ponytail and tinted glasses. And no t-shirt. And no t-shirt. And no t-shirt, yeah. Um, 
Do you, here's a fun question, Phil. Let's say uh, you are a character actor. Okay, which means I'm an actor, but I'm too ugly to be in a leading role. Yeah. I'm, I'm a good so, actor, but I'm ugly. That's what a character actor is. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. You're really good at acting, but you look too much like someone who I might actually meet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking Toby I, Jones. We're talking... <laughs> um, what's the American one who's in... Who's, with the Italian Philip name? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. The, the short, baldy guy with the Italian name who's in everything. Oh, um... Uh, I know the guy you mean. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, okay. So let's say let's say uh there's a scenario in which there's a career, there's a line of work for you. Phil Wang, character actor. But what roles are you the character actor for? That's a good question. In the same way that like you get all those guys who used to be in like the actual mafia and they were in Goodfellas once as an extra and then they had a career the rest of their lives playing like Big Danny in just like CSI here and there. I think I am the main character's sister's decent new boyfriend. <laughs> like, I'm fine. I'm a bit... From time to time, I say something a bit rude, but essentially I'm fine and I'm a bit I'm like a bit, a bit dorky. And ultimately, I'm good for her, but at first you're like, really, this guy? That's, that's my character actor. Um, right. Okay, so your 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 the archetype that you're being farmed in for is like, and it's always for Christmas movies about the guy. Yeah, you know. yeah. And then the, well, like you're sort of a slightly square guy. Yeah, but like decent. But, yeah, wait, yeah, like like decent as in like a decent person, or decent as in like really like nice. A uh, decent person. Bit okay, of a douche. All right. yeah and then at the end of the film this it's the we warm to you towards the end of the film because the main character makes a mild joke at your expense and you make a clever mild one back and you both laugh (laughs) yeah and that's the first time we sort of break the ice here yeah yeah, yes i'm there to like zooms out through the window of the christmas i'm I'm there to divert the audience's attention from who really is the bad guy of the piece for a while you think it's me but you eventually find out that i'm actually decent Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that's good. That's good. <laughs> what's There's yours? a lot of work. There's a lot of work in that. Uh, what's mine? Um, I don't know. The beard kind of narrows your options, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so... We haven't quite reached the point where just anyone in a film can have a beard. It's still seen as a sort of a character decision that means something. I reckon you're like a first mate. You're you're a master and commander, like. Uh... Oh yeah, like any any generic like history thing. Yeah, they go. We needed a kind of beard guy, but not the long hair beard guy from Viking times. And they go, okay, there's this guy. I reckon. Yeah, you're in. You swear fealty to Queen Cersei in one episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're on your knee in your <laughs> armor and you swear fealty and then we don't see that character again and it's assumed he just goes off to some ward and he fights for her honor yes yeah it's it's uh 
they need a character to swear fealty to demonstrate that she's got the loyalty of some new area she's moved that's into. Exactly like that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah, you're, you're like from a, a land we've we've only heard about so far, and we will never visit. <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's 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 like a it's like a dukedom that in the book is maybe it gets like it gets maybe like 30 pages worth and they're just like look we just need to say this because they keep talking about it later (laughs) yeah and we can't edit that out because it's the basis of loads of other stuff so let's just have a quick neil scene um and we can move on yes that's good that's good i will maybe you maybe you are in the sort of drinking tavern scene at the end of that day <laughs> yeah, yeah, where we yeah, see the sort of more human rock rocker side of of your people i uh, i will also accept um guy whose job is to have like uh, a beard and be standing in a crowd of other sort of bearded um working uh men like sort of steve doors or or miners or fishermen or something um mm. and then while someone is speaking to a crowd of us the camera cuts in between close-up shots of our wrinkly faces and beards and squinty eyes as we smoke (laughs) or chew on a kind of straw or something and you can see in our eyes that we're trying to assess what we think of the speaker who is the main hollywood actor yes 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 or you're pulling in um, a fishing hole as an enormous thing bursts out of the sea and and (laughs) and the camera rises up and you we see the shadow of the thing go over you as you look up gormless (laughs) <laughs> that's my that's my role is uh, maritime casualty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> maritime casualty. Unfortunate uh, sea captain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mar- maritime casualty. Old fashioned man. Yeah. Hop ho. Yeah. I th- yeah. <laughs> A guy, yeah, guy, guy from a scene in which people are singing a kind of heave ho song. Yeah, as they pull a big rope. Yeah, that's very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as long as it's not long ago that people need to have cool long hair. Yeah. Although I guess you could, if no, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't spend that much money on a wig if you weren't like a main guy. I guess. I um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, in, um, in Lord of the Rings, they, they ran out of, uh, they ran out of, basically, New Zealand's so small, they ran out of men who could ride horses for all the, um, riders of Rohan scenes. Yeah. And so they had to have, um, female, uh, riders, but they're all meant to be men, all these soldiers. So they just stuck on helmets and wigs on, on these ladies and the helmets covered up most of their face. And if you're not looking for it, they just look normal. But once you know that, whenever you see the Riders of Rohan, you just look into one of the riders, and it's just obviously a woman with a wig sort of glued onto her head. <laughs> it's a fun thing to look at for next time anyway, but that's, that's what I imagine um, happening to you. It's funny, but when it's like most of those women surely had long hair already anyway. Just gl- gl- but not the right long hair. Not the, like, not warrior long hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones, I think, I can't remember if I assume this or if I genuinely read that they did this. They must have just gone to every, like, metal bar in Northern Ireland and gone, get in the truck. <laughs> if you're, like, a slightly sort of scuzzy-looking dude with long hair and a beard and you're just, like, 
like, like when they were filming Game of Thrones in Northern Ireland, it must have been an absolute golden age. Oh yeah, every actor in Northern Ireland must have just immediately started growing their hair. Surely. Yeah, they had to add blacksmiths to an already blacksmith-heavy story. <laughs> right, maybe it's a meeting of the blacksmith union. <laughs> um, was our friend Mick ever in Game of Thrones? He's a Northern Irish actor we know, friend of the pod. I think he, I think he was. I think he was, yeah. I think I'm he was, almost yeah. certain he was. I, I'm sure I remember him tweeting about that, so that's... That's that's definitely evidence. There's it's it'll it'll be like one of those funny statistics where everyone goes on about how many people Genghis Khan is descended from, where it's like eighty percent of the Northern Irish population is descended from a Game of Thrones actor. For me, growing as a teenager in the in the West Country, it was skins. Like yes, eighty percent of teenagers had a scene in Skins. <laughs> Yes, of course they did. And everyone growing up always was going on about, oh, it was like a skins party. Oh, they're going to have a skins party. <laughs> yeah, I think we that? just meant a bit gross. Yeah, but I still say things are a bit skinsy. If if if, yeah. if I don't want to go to something, it's like, oh, it's a bit skinsy. <laughs> if you want to avoid it, that's how you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never ever watched skins. There was a really good... Um, little thing that Stuart Lee, the comedian, made about growing up watching um, television meant for teenagers and how he thinks television for teenagers now is a lot more alienating than when he was growing up. And he talks about one show he was growing up with, which was about a teenage girl who survived the apocalypse and had to traverse the tundra of British debris of what used to be British society. And he compared that with Skins, and he said the one about the post-apocalyptic dystopia was a lot less alienating than Skins. Skins made him feel like a loser, whereas whereas a, a teenage girl wandering around the apocalypse was actually a lot truer to the teenage experience. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think he's right. And for that reason, I could never watch Skins because it, it was like. It was too cool. It was too sexy. It didn't reflect the teenage experience I had, and it just made me feel more alone. I, I always, yeah, I agree. I thought, I just thought it was ridiculous, and it was just like constant, um, constant uh, bifters and blowjobs. Whereas the Inbetweeners, I loved. And the Inbetweeners, I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm fine. Actually, this is this is what real teenager life is like. <laughs> this is about right. Yeah. But it's funny, yeah, he's absolutely right. It's much easier to imagine climbing into a ruined building than confidently getting <laughs> sex from anyone. Yeah. It's much more conceivable. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I was thinking that about... Um, uh, well, as, as as you know, Phil, but as, as we have not yet revealed on the pod, I've managed to um, get myself a new, uh, a new GF... Yeah, brand new gluten free for Pierre. Got myself Naveen. a brand new gluten free woman. <laughs> yes, that's right. So now Pierre they... can finally live out his skins fantasies. No longer <laughs> <laughs> is, is he excluded from that sexy, sexy lifestyle. 
I can I can skateboard into a bag of weed. <laughs> to a big bag. Um but yes, as a result of that happening, uh I care I have I have now seen and I would never normally have watched this, but I'm I'm glad I did. I have now seen Emily in Paris. Oh Netflix. yes, I've watched the first episode of Emily in Paris. And it is one of the most alienating things I think I've ever I've ever watched. Well, it isn't tethered to anyone's reality, Emily in Paris. So I don't think any I don't think anyone relates to it. It's not well. No one relates to it, but also it it is about like it's essentially, it's essentially it is about a very attractive girl using Instagram to be given millions of pounds and sex. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is true to a lot of modern lives if i was a teenager then like the majority of celebrities i'm aware of have used instagram to do that but the difference is that in emily in paris she's just like some dork from like wapachipa county oshigaho or wherever some you know nowhere town in the midwest <laughs> you know as as if Whereas in real life, every time on Instagram you see some like seventeen-year-old being like, "I'm on a jet ski. It's made of gold," and then you go like, "Wow, what a cool random life they have." If you look into it, it's always like, "Oh, my uncle's weird friend from business school leased this from a Russian guy, and he let me have a go on it, and I took a picture." Oh yeah, I mean there is uh, there are services um, where you can rent out an like an old cabin of a private jet it's not it's just a cabin on its own really yeah yeah it's just it's on the ground and you can rent it and you go in with your friends and you just take photos like you're in a private jet and you can post that you're in a private jet that is insane it's disgusting it's pathetic it's the saddest most pathetic thing i've ever heard of in my life and i've booked us in for a session next week i hope that's all right Oh, the, uh, the you mean the Bud Pod, uh, uh, the Bud Pod um, Gulfstream's uh, maiden flight? Yeah, of course. That'd be really funny, actually. A, a, a photo shoot of us in a, a private jet on the way to <laughs> on the way on the way to a fart convention or whatever. <laughs> Walking down those steps like Nixon style with our hands up, <laughs> big winter coats and the red carpet. Yeah, yeah we've straight got to do into that. a limo. Straight into a limo. Fart convention, please. Oh, I know, sir. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> That's amazing. If I was at school and and we all found out that anyone had rented the private jet thing and taken the pictures, but like with the intent to deceive as opposed to, oh, haha, ha, isn't this funny? I think that even two decades later now, we would still be calling that person private jet (laughs) every time we saw that person at a social event we'd be like oh did you fly here (laughs) it would be so embarrassing (laughs) i mean it's one thing if you're a teenager this is a grown-ass adults paying to pretend to be instagram has ruined so many lives it's turned brains into mulch Oh, everyone's brain is turned into compost. I will only accept renting that to take pictures in a catch-me-if-you-can style long-haul t- long grift or scam. Yeah. Yeah, then yeah, I get yeah. It. To, um, yeah, you're, you're, um, you're seducing uh, 
Oh, who would you be seducing? It would either be a group of investors, like ridiculous, lame Silicon Valley investors who are trying to find the next big thing, or one uh, lonely uh, heiress. An heiress, that's it. An heiress in Manhattan. And you, that's uh, right. You, you quote-unquote, accidentally bump into her on the corner of West and 7th. And <laughs> you drop your spare ticket to the opera. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you drop your spare ticket to the opera and say, "God, how my how clumsy I am!" And and, and uh, I drop my spare ticket to the opera. Oh, you see, my date uh, turned me down. She said, "I'm too rich, and my penis is too big." <laughs> oh, New York is a cruel town, and I've only just come here from. Trans Translupia, where I am a prince, that just l- immediately lay it out there. Yeah. Oh my god, you're from Europe. <laughs> Accidentally flash a load of like w- those weird like medals on your chest, <laughs> and then they go, "Are those medals?" And you're like, "Oh no, um, uh, don't look at those." I think you and coy. I should do a, a, um, our own sort of wedding crashes, maybe, but just in the street. <laughs> Street crashes. Street crashes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, it's, it's, it, it would be remiss of us, Phil remiss if we were not to mention on this um on this podcast one of the most astonishing um farting scenarios i've seen in a long time that's happened in the last week or so oh am i aware of this rudy giuliani did he fart oh phil did he fart so so of course first we had four seasons total landscaping Yes, the classic. Rudy Giuliani tried to deliver a dramatic speech about election fraud uh, in the car park of a landscaping company between a dildo shop and a crematorium. Uh, and then the first person he brought up as a witness to the election fraud was a convicted sex offender from a different American state uh, to the one he was in. Very funny, very good stuff. Then he got all sweaty, didn't he? And he started melting black ooze <laughs> out of his head. <laughs> Like a rapidly disintegrating Batman villain. 
and he does that thing that he does that weird like evil rich guy thing where he dabs incessantly at his own face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, 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 and just, just tapping a kind of wet cloth on his. He's really crammed head. all his big laughs right into the end of his act, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's like someone's pulled out a plug or something. It's so weird. And then he was doing all those witness statements where he was sitting next to like visibly drunk people who were just going, I'm pretty sure some of those votes were... And he's there like, you see? You see? <laughs> Trying to be all confident. But he audibly farted twice during those things. Like it was picked up by the microphone. Okay, I'm, I've got the video here. I'm just going to play it to myself. Play it, play it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, he's going, rah, 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 and the microphone picks up a. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the lady he sat next to just kind of gives him a quick look. The lady looks right at him the second the fart happens. No subtlety whatsoever. But he, he, he must be so used to this because he just talks right through it like nothing's happened. He's completely unfazed. It's because he's a man in his 70s. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't even feel it. He doesn't even feel them anymore. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's 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 already too worried about his nuts coming out the bottom of his trousers. Oh God, <laughs> leaking out like his hair could I? His nuts. But yeah, he's, sort of... he's just he's just sat there, oozing black goo and rambling and tap, like padding his face and just going. Well, you know the thing is, maybe someone could pay for these machines and <laughs> farting and sweating and rambling. <laughs> it's so weird and so funny and of course now he has coronavirus and he's uh, it, 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 it is like a comedy act and he's lost the audience and he's going ah, oh and just destroying all <laughs> all these gangs <laughs> yes. in the once ah, what about this ah, oh, just starts, his face starts melting hmm? oh maybe a little huh what do you think huh? <laughs> as the canes slowly extends onto stage to yank him off yeah and he's um and he's sort of just desperately going yeah what about those mats eh? what about my mother-in-law and he's like speaking over any possible laugh <laughs> just yelling yelling oh god and i th i think that if you have a case that is already a little like it's not even that your case is being heard it's that you're having a thing to see if your case should be heard and while you're rambling, you just go, and then, then the other thing is that the affidavit just, and you do a little fart. The judge yeah. should just immediately go, like case dismissed. In, like you're in SpongeBob. <laughs> yes. It should be, like, the judge should therefore be empowered to go, ah, you farted, case dismissed. I heard it, it was in the <laughs> microphone. It's very embarrassing and stupid. It makes us all look stupid. Case dismissed. And he bangs the gavel the, twice. The defense would like to move to strike the fart from the record. Denied. Objection, sir, he farted. <laughs> Fart sustained. I'll allow <laughs> it, but uh, you're on thin ice. <laughs> if the two councils could approach the bench, please. Not too soon, of course. Just let it dissipate. <laughs> this is most irregular. <laughs> Was it was it you, someone we knew at university? Was it you who figured out a way that you could talk while doing sort of little farting noises? 
No, I don't think I can claim that legacy. Someone we know figured out how to talk, and like as they're speaking, without like stopping to form the shape of the mouth to make the fart, they were like farting out the sides of their mouth, like little, like little. <laughs> and it was it was amazing because it was it was like almost like a kind of act of ventriloquism. Gosh, no, I don't I know. That's news God, to me. Who was that? Man, Cambridge really does have the best and brightest from all <laughs> over the world. Eight. Hundred years of farts and fart studies. <laughs> History of fart. <laughs> Fartiology and anthrophartily. <laughs> Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani is like... He looks like a child's drawing of someone who should worry about having coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. He doesn't seem like a healthy dude. But then neither did Trump, and he shook that thing off like a bunch of fleas. Yeah, he got he got given the 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 whatever it was that they gave to Captain America, and then he's fine. Yeah, <clears throat> they gave him every single drug. Will Rudy have a similar similar treatment? Well, I guess it depends if he's on Trump's good side at the moment or not. I think I. What, I mean, Trump must just be like, "You're doing a great job. You farted. I loved it. <laughs> the sweating that was great. Like, he's what could he possibly?" <laughs> I read that um, from asking for donations to help quote overturn the election, uh, and then in the small print you can Donald Trump's like, "By the way, I can do whatever I want with the money." He's got like 150 million now from that, uh, and it's not illegal technically. No, he, it's just donations. He can ask for donations. That's all right. <laughs> you gotta admire the grift. It's amazing. It's amazing to see the most powerful country in the history of the world taken over. And by the monorail by, man. By the monorail man. That's it. But like, but like a version of the monorail man who isn't even, doesn't even hide it in the first bit. He's just immediately openly racist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and, not even... And uh, like, charming or smiley or you don't even pretend that the monorail is going to work yeah it's like if the simpsons monorail man showed up and went buy a monorail you fucking stupid bitch towards like a, like the, a female mayor and everyone just went yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he's right will the monorail work shut up <laughs> and that's it and they went everyone just went brilliant let's do this i can't believe it and now we're gonna have a we're gonna have a hard Brexit, Phil. I can feel it in my water. Hard Brexit or um, no deal? I'm, that's actually you're quite right. In my head, they're the same thing, but they're not. I reckon, yeah, no deal. I'm sticking with my prediction from <clears throat> three years ago. Two? I don't even remember. Uh, right, you think no deal? Even uh, even though Boris has gone over to see Ursula von der Leyen for dinner. Perhaps we could settle this over dinner. <laughs> it really has that vibe about it. It's like Boris Johnson has sat going like, oh, she won't give us fishing rights until I get my dick out. I think they will... Oh, what do I think? Because I, like, hmm. I think they'll make a big thing out of a fishing rights until the last minute and they concede on fishing rights. Because they know yeah, that they, it is not... They both think that, though. 
No, no. Sorry, I mean, I think, I think, I think Boris Johnson will eventually concede on fishing rights. Do you think so? Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard because the whole, you know, you can't say they'll concede on fishing rights because they understand that economically it, it is a very, very small. But then, all of Brexit has been a symbolic gesture. So why, why would you give up on the heart of the symbolic gesture, which is fishing rights? Well, well, it's also like you can apply the same logic to the to the to the EU side. It's also very small for them, but they also won't concede because of the same reasons. They both think that they're going to get the last minute thing, but I think it's just going to sleepwalk into disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it's going to happen at a time when we don't need loads of trucks coming over the border with vaccines. <laughs> at least it's happening at a time where the economy has never been stronger. <laughs> and there's never been any other concerns. I love Ursula yeah. von der Leyen. I think, she, I think she's just so cool. She already looks like the person who will play her in the Netflix version. That's right. She she already looks well cast. Good. I gotta give it to Ursula. <laughs> She cleans up so good, and you know, having seen the photo of Ursula von der Leyen next to Boris Johnson with his fucking bird's nest hair and his unduck, untucked shirt, and you just think, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the, the kid who eats glue is off to make a deal with the principal about, <laughs> about whether or not we can all reset our exams. Yes, yeah. We're, we're, we're sending to the principal's office for this big negotiation. We're sending the kid who um, is a sort of urban legend, like a kind of a living legend at school for being caught trying to rapidly scrape some jizz off the zip of his school pants. <laughs> he's, just a ho- he's just a horny bush. He's a bo- <laughs> We've sent a horny hedge. Over to well, as, deal with the adults. As someone, as someone uh, reminded us on on Twitter this week, uh, I, I at some point we were discussing him, and I turned to him a, a, a rumbling, pulsing haystack of cum, which I stand by. <laughs> and also, I mean, so does he. I mean, there's that Boris Johnson quote where he goes on about how full of jizz he is. Really? What does he say? Yeah. He says, "I've always been bursting with the right stuff." Jesus. <laughs> and I, He's reported to have said, I'm just going to look this up as well, but he's reported to have said, in terms of how much he can just go around banging people how he wants, he's he's apparently said to someone, I haven't had a wank, I I haven't had to have a wank since school. Bloody hell. That, that is strong. That's strong stuff. Even in lockdown. (laughs) Well, he's got a girlfriend. That's true. (laughs) Let me look this up. Boris Johnson wank school. There you go. I haven't had to have a wank for 20 years, Johnson is quoted as saying in Gimson's biography. Yes, God. (laughs) I haven't had to. I have, of course, but I haven't had to. (laughs) Yes, I was in it for the love of the art. (laughs) (laughs) Or doing it to prove a point. Yeah, he's like the Joker with a stack of money. This isn't about the money. <laughs> it's about sending a message. The, the Joker standing in a warehouse. Work. 
<laughs> the Joker standing in a warehouse just going, just just jacking himself off. Just, <laughs> it's about sending a message. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, okay, what is the message? Ooh. <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> He's burning the money. And they're like, okay, well, burning a big pile of money is like literally an art collective did that in the 80s or 90s. You know, that's... The KLA or whatever it was called. What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean, Mr. Joker? Are you an artist now? And then he just gets a stick out. Just, and we're like, oh, ah, okay, okay, shit. <laughs> now we take you seriously. So you think uh, no deal. No deal. Yeah. See? No deal. Interesting. I think there will be a deal. What do you think is going to happen to the fish, Phil? The fish, for God's sake. I think there'll be some symbolic but fundamentally insubstantial concession mm. from either side which they can take home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much as I understand why it seems insane that we get 10% of our own fish instead of, you know, all of it or at least half, like, I understand the logic of that. Well, we don't Ultimately, want it. Well, we're a country that doesn't eat fish unless it's on a Friday and it's been deep fried. Yeah, and, it's, and that is white and blah, blah, blah. Whereas uh, the Dutch, they just want to want to pickle all our fish. They just want to pickle it and eat it whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean the, the Dutch, I guess we wanted just to sell it back to the Dutch and go, hey, you like pickled herring, you fucking maniac? Well, you better queue up at the border. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one in the UK... It's pickled fish, at least yeah. not a, not not over one percent of the population, two percent maybe. Ever? Yep. Have you talked about the top five fishes? Britain's top five fishes. Have you done this? No, I don't think like, so. What are Britain's <coughs> top five fishes? And um, in terms of consumption, uh, there's five. Um, one of them is what you wouldn't normally consider a fish, but it's like it's. Uh, Premium League, Premier League seafood. Okay, so top five fishes. What do you think they are? Okay, number one, I'm gonna say uh, like scallops. Scallops, Piano Valley. Yeah. Oh, no scallops. No. But what do you mean by by top? Wait, what do you mean by like? You mean like by like numbers bought? Yeah, by consumption. Because bearing in mind, I like on the Isle of Man, they do have like queenies and stuff, and you can buy them in brine jars from like fish and chip shops and stuff. Like it's not, yeah, but a I think big that's deal. very specific to like an island or yeah, you know. But we're, no one in London does that. But talk- you said that the top, the top one is not a. Uh, oh, sorry. I mean, one one of them is not a, stri- a strictly a flippy floppy fish. Oh, I thought you meant the top one wasn't. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. One of oh. the top five is not. Oh, okay. Well, the top one, cod. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cod. Number two, uh, place. Nope. Sea bass. Nope. You're going, you're already away to... Uh, Restaurant. Niche. Mm, cod. Herring. Nope. Tuna. Tuna is in there, but it is not second. Yeah, tuna's third. 
Tuna's third. Cod blank tuna. What am I not thinking of here? What is what is sort of like cod, often confused for cod, and can oh, sort of take God. cod's place? Halibut? Mm, it's same. Correct. Really... Correct. First two letters. Hake. Nope. Or too niche. What? I don't. I don't need fish. Haddock. Uh, hey. Haddock. Captain Haddock. For God's Captain sake. Blistering Haddock. blue barnacles. So cod, haddock, tuna. Yep. Uh, prawn. Prawn is fifth. Ah. Uh, fourth. What's fourth? Is it one of the ones I've said already? No, it's it's a fish. It's it's two times out of three. If you're in a canteen, the fish dish is this. <laughs> the fish dish is this. The fish dish is dish. Um, to, oh, uh. You bake it. It's disgusting. <laughs> oh, salmon, yes. Salmon, salmon. Salmon. The only Co- food that can make Phil vomit. And he's eaten cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. But baked salmon will make me wretch. It's the only thing I you, cannot finish. Oh. I have one bite and go, mm, yeah. I, ugh, horrible. With, the, with the, floppy, the floppy wet skin underneath. <laughs> I think it's disgusting. But you know what's weird? You is can... I, I first had salmon raw as sashimi. Have I told you about this? How um, salmon sushi is a Norwegian invention? Yes, they, 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 they got them to import it because the, the Japanese t- thing that's a bit like salmon is covered in parasites. Uh, well, the story I had was that Norway, because of um, a lot of subsidies like they'd over subsidized yeah. salmon fishing norway was just the, the the warehouses in norway were just packed with all this frozen salmon that they couldn't eat and they're like where can we sell this what country likes fish and they instantly just went japan so they went they sent a guy over to japan and was like hey you guys should really buy all of our salmon and the japanese were like oh, we have enough salmon and the norwegians are like do you have enough salmon for Salmon sushi, and the Japanese went. Ugh. To them, the idea of <laughs> to them the idea of salmon like raw salmon was equivalent to like raw chicken. They just have it like the West does. They grill it, they bake it, whatever. And they're like, no, that's disgusting. You'll get sick. But the Norwegians just wouldn't let off. They're like, make salmon sushi, make salmon sushi, make salmon sushi. And eventually, one Japanese supermarket was like, fine, and they made like little packs of salmon sushi, and it just took off, and salmon sushi became a thing but this was just in the 80s before the 80s the idea of raw salmon even to the japanese was gross i'm just i'm just looking it up here yeah apparently they had cooked and cured salmon but they believe that pacific salmon has uh, had was full of parasites or at least that's what they thought yeah right right yeah that's nuts why did they that's such a that's such a uh, <laughs> that's such a norwegian thing just just the most efficient sort of place to place a surplus and then just be really persistent yeah <laughs> smart though it worked it's smart and it doesn't matter that it was all really frozen they'd be like oh i'm sorry it's been really frozen for ages and the japanese were like yep perfect that's what we do to the that's what we do to the fish unless it's actually raw raw mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have to freeze fish for like commercial sushi so like the temperature has to be so low that it's the same as boiling it as in, what do you mean? Like, 
structurally equivalent to boiling it. No, like like um, the effect on any like bacteria or microbe or whatever. Oh, I see, I see, I see. They, there's a temperature low enough that it all it just wipes everything out. Nice. Mm-hmm. There's that, oh, that want cold chain. That's right. Yeah. And now, the, now? now the Norwegians are going to have a big warehouses full of frozen vaccine, I guess. Get on the cold chain. <laughs> um, when are you going to get the vaccine, Phil? When do you think? March? Um, as soon as I can get this white-haired wig looking good. <laughs> oh, hello, Sunny. Is that vaccine <laughs> for me? <laughs> oh, I remember war. <laughs> oh, come in, sir. Thank oh, well, this you. all checks out. Thank you, child. Yeah, yeah. They'll be too afraid to. They'll be too afraid to question it. They'll just go. Just, just give it to him. Yeah. Once I really master this hunch and uh, my walking stick technique, uh, yeah, I'll get the vaccine. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to get it slightly ahead of a lot of people because of my delicious asthma. Well, your asthma's bad, huh? Mine, yeah, I don't, th- I, mine is not bad enough, I don't think. They just put you on a list. If you if it's bad enough that they gave you the list thing to have a flu jab, that should be the same. It's the NHS category. Right, so if, if I'm down at my GPs as having asthma, I'll automatically be ahead of the queue. Should be. I mean, I get a free flu jab every year. I don't have to pay for it. I've never, ever, ever got a free flu jab. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'm... But then your mum's a doctor. Right. Maybe she was just like, let the boy struggle. (laughs) He has to learn. Yeah, I wonder. Well... Uh, if the disease gets really bad before you get the vaccine, Phil, I will do my best to uh, spit uh, in your mouth enough so that you have it. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, thank you. That's my pleasure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to go do some uh, life admin before I stream later on. And then I'm going to go on Twitch. Whoa, TMI! <laughs> uh, what are you doing the rest of the day, Phil? The rest of today, got a bit of work to do. I'm probably going to play mm. a lot of chess on my... I've been playing chess on, the, on my phone so much. Nice, I've yes, you watching, and I have had a few good games. I've been watching... Yeah, you're tough. I remember we used to play a, we used to play a lot on tour when we were on tour. Um, I just saw uni. Yeah. And I would win the vast majority of the time. Now it's really hard. I think I beat yeah. everyone on tour. Uh, but now, uh, yeah. I think you're you're much better now. I, I find you, uh, yeah, it's very hard to play. I've just been, um, I've been watching, I, I now subscribe to chess channels, Grandmasters channels on YouTube. <laughs> I've been I've been learning about the Roy Lopez opening and I keep telling, I've, I've got a note in my head that's, I need to study the end game. That's actually something I think about these days. I need to study my end game because I really fall down at the end game. Uh, it's just something to do, isn't it? 
I'm working my way through all the computer avatars on the chess app, and they get harder and harder and harder. And I'm on the first advanced guy, and I've drawn with him, but I've not. I can't beat him. I keep getting closer, then I blunder my rook or something. Ugh. Oh, I should do that. Yeah, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> um, well, I'll see you on the chessboard. See you on the checks. <laughs> All right. Good luck, listeners. Good luck getting the vaccine. Get yourself a get yourself a grey wig or diet like Andy Warhol. Enjoy. 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 Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.